welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host. And as always, I'm glad you've joined us. After more than a year of really heavy restrictions meant to limit the transmission of COVID-19, most of those restrictions are now going to go away pretty suddenly here in Michigan. Governor Gretchen Whitmer made the announcement yesterday that the state will fully lift outdoor capacity limits on June 1st. And then starting July 1st, Michigan will end caps on indoor gathering. This comes as nearly 57% of residents aged 16 and older have gotten at least one of the vaccine shots and as the pace of vaccinations has slowed down dramatically. Here to talk about the decision to end most COVID restrictions is Michigan Public Radio Network Senior State Capital Correspondent Rick Pluta, who's been covering the state's COVID response really closely over the last year. Rick, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Yeah. So I guess I was caught a little by surprise by the governor's announcement, mostly because we just heard from her recently about how we were going to see COVID restrictions rolled back. She said we had to earn that with with the percentage of, of vaccinations and set out all of these kind of benchmarks for us to, to shoot for. This seems to be a really different approach to, to, to that. Talk about what, what happened and, and why it changed. Well, uh, the CDC changed its advice is what happened. And mm-hmm. the uh, governor had rolled out this uh, you know, detailed set of uh, incentives um, to try and reach particular vaccination rates. She called it vac to normal and uh, then the CDC basically, you know, more or less declared emergency over. And so uh, the state had to quickly change uh, its plans and, uh, you know, uh, lifted the orders in uh, two, uh, you know, in two stages. And wh- so it was the CDC's change in, in approach that inspired this then. But but what are public health professionals saying about this? I've heard a lot of people be very skeptical about uh, the CDC's approach, which seemed uh, to contravene the, the, the approach that it had had before. Uh, what are they saying about this? Well, I, we're hearing very divided opinions that there are a lot of um, healthcare professionals, epidemiologists who are saying that this is a recipe for disaster, that uh, we're not there yet, and you know we, we shouldn't pretend that we are. However, um, what the Weber administration is basically acknowledging, a reality that, that a lot of other professionals uh, are also acknowledging, which is that we're past the stage where the state, where Governor Whitmer, um, the MDHHS, can order their way out of the crisis, that basically everyone who's willing to get a vaccine has one available to them. Mm-hmm. And so now it's a persuasion campaign that, uh, you know, the people who need to be reached are the vaccine skeptical and the um, basically the people who are saying no to vaccines right now. So this is basically a messaging campaign at this point to try and reach that latter group. So the business community in the state has been really hard hit by COVID and by COVID restrictions. They have not been huge fans of the governor's uh, approach to this. I would imagine this is going to make them much happier. 
Uh, oh, sure, that there are business groups who've been saying that we've followed orders and, you know, I mean, now we know what the right thing is to do and, uh, you know, we can do them. So give us the freedom to, you know, give us the freedom to do so. And that's basically been the Republican message, which is let individuals and let businesses prove that they're responsible. Uh, what is uh, the political context here? I, I had a conversation. The political context <laughs> is one that, uh, you know, it's this thing about like the legislature will have a say in um, any future orders that might come down the pike is it, it's an off ramp for the governor to end this standoff with the legislature and, you know, try and move to the next stage, which is figuring out how to use the COVID emergency funds, that there's this issue of uh, MIOSHA orders. MIOSHA had already said that it's going to enforce the CDC guidelines. The governor won't try to make some of these emergency orders uh, permanent, and that gave them something to um, give away in the bargaining and gave the Republicans something to declare victory over. And so it kind of it just it just resets the board uh, to see if in the next month or so they can uh, the Republican leaders and the governor's office can actually get into a room together and bargain. So I did see that Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky said this morning that he thought this was a, a pretty positive step, that it was a gesture to to suggest that the governor's willing to work with the, the legislature is a really different tone than what we've heard from him uh, recently. Yeah, it is a very different tone. And it was, you know, it, it was a bad thing that they weren't getting into a room together and uh, bargaining. And, you know, the governor's, or I'm sorry, the uh, Republican leaders in the legislature said that they will now allow the governor and budget director Dave Masseron in the room to negotiate a budget. But there wasn't going to be a budget without them there anyway. And, you know, the reverse is true as, as well, is the governor has a certain amount of emergency powers, but she has to get the legislature to send her a budget and one that's acceptable enough that it's not going to be rife with uh, line item vetoes. Yeah. I'm talking with Rick Pluta, who is a senior capital correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. We're talking about the big news yesterday. Governor Gretchen Whitmer coming out and saying that she is ready to almost fully roll back the COVID-19 restrictions here in the state starting June 1st. She's going to fully lift outdoor capacity limits. And then on July 1st, uh, Michigan will end caps on indoor gatherings. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think of this latest development in the saga of COVID restrictions here in, in Michigan. Uh, what do you make of Governor Whitmer's sudden decision to ease most of these restrictions by the 1st of July? Also think about how close that is to the 4th of July and what, what kind of uh, celebrations we'll see, I think, across the state uh, because of this announcement. Uh, are you excited about the prospect of life returning to much more normalcy than, I think, just a few weeks ago we were expecting to be able to have this summer. Uh, also give us a call and let us know if you're a little uneasy about all of this, how quickly it's moving, and how it sort of tracks with 
the rate of people getting vaccinations, which has really slowed, uh, not just here in Michigan, but uh, in, in lots of other places. It seems like all of the people who plan to get vaccinated have probably done that, and we're nowhere near that 70% number uh, that they talk about for for herd immunity. Um, also, do you trust that people will behave in ways that will keep us all safe after these restrictions uh, are lifted? Do you trust that people who aren't vaccinated will continue to wear masks, for instance, which is what the CDC is saying they should be doing? Uh, do you think people will start will keep distancing and doing some of the other things uh, that we've seen uh, e- even after the the restrictions? are gone. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or to Twitter and put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation that way. Uh, Rick, I, I want to uh, talk about what effect this might have on the negotiations over the money, the big money that's coming to the state from the federal government, which has that's been locked up in in the budget negotiations and these other things. But it's kind of a separate issue. I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of folks in Lansing, a lot of Democrats thought this is, you know, this is an easy, uh, an easy decision to make to spend money that we're getting uh, from the federal government. Republicans had said, no, 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 no. Uh, we want to we want to have real say over that as well, uh, and have been holding it up. Does this loosen that uh, that logjam as well? Um, we'll see what happens, but I think there is one thing. It's it's been largely untalked about, but I think this may be a seminal moment in this period before the elections in uh, the governor and Republicans in the legislature learning how to deal with, their, with each other. And it's kind of an ancient technique in, in legislating. But what they did here was they struck a bargain or you know, the beginnings of a bargain that allowed everyone to declare some measure of victory. And what we've seen before when these things have come down is that it's been zero sum that I can't win unless they lose. And now they all did, I mean, they're they're all getting their own little uh, little victory dance, and we will see if going forward, you know, when there are actual dollars on the line, and just kind of a, as opposed to this metaphysical statement uh, that we're going to go back to talking, whether or not they can do the same thing, cut deals with actual dollars in play, um, with long-term policy implications. And come up with something where they can all say, you know, they can all go back to their constituencies and say, I won. But this does seem to reset the board with, um, you know, the, the greater possibility of that happening. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019. Call and tell us how you're feeling about Governor Whitmer saying She's going to get rid of the COVID-19 restrictions that we've been living under for a really long time here in Michigan. Uh, give us a call. Tell us what are some of the first things you might go do once these restrictions are lifted. I know a lot of people have been uh, eagerly going back to normal life in the last couple of weeks as, as some of the restrictions have fallen and, and we've gotten better news about uh, about the, the state of COVID in the state and the country, uh, but but give us an idea of what your life might look like uh, come July first when the governor says she's going to lift indoor uh, 
uh, restrictions, uh, outdoor restrictions, going to go away on June 1st. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, and we'll work you into the show that way. Let's start with Chris in Detroit. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Um, one, of the, one of the things I'm, I, I've been thinking about is I think this is a lot of uh, political pull because of the elections. When we're looking at the upcoming elections, the one of the things that the Democrats have a lot of pushback from is a lot of their, the local restrictions that we've 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 had it we've uh, we've had, and I think a lot of it is going to with a lot of the pull of the upcoming elections, especially the gubernatorial race. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of people looking at the calendar thinking the same thing. Uh, Rick, I I had said earlier. This week, someone was asking me about uh, about James Craig and his possible run for governor as a as a Republican, and whether I thought he had uh, much of a chance. And and I said w- one of the things that really mattered, I think, uh, is how fresh in people's minds the controversy over COVID restrictions is. If uh, by next summer people are still kind of fresh and and angry about those restrictions or think it was mishandled, I think the governor could have a harder time uh, than, than if, for instance, those restrictions went away this, uh, this summer and, and we uh, sort of got past that. Uh, that's a pretty cynical analysis, I think, uh, but, but it but is that politics. Mean it's wrong. <laughs> that's right. It is politics. That's the way it works. <laughs> so, so is Chris right that this is, this is driven in some way by, by those political concerns? Well, yes, but I mean, of course, that you're you're never going to take the politics out of politics, you know, which is you know the art of using power among other things. It's the art of using power and persuasion to achieve particular goals. Um, but looking ahead to um, you know the, the the upcoming elections is we're going to see a lot more traditional campaigning and a lot more traditional forms of persuasion we're going to see people going out and you know doing the handshaking in person fundraisers in person speeches uh, and events and a lot more of the spectacle that goes with uh, uh, politics will be out there and that matters in this respect because that means that there's going to be a lot more you know one-on-one or in-person interactions where you're going to have the governor's Republican opponent, whoever it is, um, you know, trying to fire up the base with these now, you know, months past uh, restrictions that they're going to try and get people worked up around them, you know, about them again, when, you know, maybe they're feeling a little bit more optimistic. Uh, The governor will be able to claim, um, you know, to the roar of the crowd or however you know you want to describe it, that um, regardless of how the details played out, that overall the restrictions worked and you know we are now safe from COVID and the wild card being, of course, um, variants and the possibility of surges because not enough people have gotten vaccinated. Mm, yeah. Uh, Emily on Twitter says, what about young kids? I've got three toddlers and it's hard for me to take them anywhere when no one else is wearing a mask, but they're still required to. How do I know that unmasked people are vaccinated and how do I keep my kids safe? Uh, Those are great questions, Emily. And uh, I I expect that over the next couple of weeks, we may be hearing more from 
not the governor, but the medical public health prof- professionals, right, uh, Rick, about, about how all this should work? Right. How many people are out there who will either refuse to get vaccinated or will simply say they're vaccinated um, when they're not? And right now there is a debate in the legislature over outlawing what's being called vaccine passports, you know, some kind of uh, proof that you're vaccinated that would be issued by the state, state issued um, vaccine passports. Now, no such thing has been proposed. And so we don't know what something like that would uh, look like. But yeah, that, you know, that question of, of being able to show verified proof where um, a, a, a private enterprise, a business, or, you know, maybe even, um, you know, some other entity would want to know something like that. Like, you know, right now, you know, students who are, you know, heading to school mm-hmm. have to, when they're being enrolled, have to show that they've been inoculated against, um, you know, certain transmittable diseases. Uh, will we ever see a point where, you know, COVID and its successors are included in that? Right now, there's a lot of resistance in the legislature to doing something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Big Neo on Twitter says, it appears Governor Whitmer is following the rules of the CDC. Unfortunately, people will always find something to complain about. So it doesn't matter what she does. She's going to always have critics on uh, both sides. Let's go to uh, Anna. Anna in Lake Orion. Welcome to the show. Thanks. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, a little annoyed, though. I'm, I'm kind of irritated that we've put in our time. I'm a mom of four. My kids are 11 and under, ranging to a one-year-old. And so they're not able to be vaccinated yet. I was one of the first to be vaccinated, kind of excited for that freedom. But without the mask mandate, my kiddos still can't, you know, come with me out to the grocery store and things like that. I'm still trying to protect them. So mm. it's a little irritating to have put in the work and now and now still having to sit at home and wait for uh, wait for their vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Anna, I quickly want to ask you: Were were you someone who supported Governor Whitmer when she was running in 2018? You were. Um, Yeah, I'm an educator. She was our, you know, she was our nominee. So I was really excited that she was elected, and I've supported her the whole time too. I just feel like we're we're I'm I'm a little edgy about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I appreciate the call and, and the thoughts. Rick, that's the flip side of this, I think, is that I think parents and in particular mothers who really supported uh, Governor Whitmer might might have an adverse uh, reaction to, to what she's doing now. And that's a key constituency for her next year as well. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, you know, I mean, my teenagers are vaccinated, but, uh, you know, for people with kids who are, you know, still not vaccinated, I mean, it, it's got to be frightening, at least, you know, not knowing whether or not, not just whether people are vaccinated, but, you know, whether or not we're at that place that where we're considered essentially, you know, fully safely vaccinated that, uh, you know, 70 percent and uh, uh, above mark. And right now, under these policies, including the CDC recommendations, you know, where we're moving in terms of the state's COVID restrictions, that's that's an unknown. Mm. Okay, Rick Pluta of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Always great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Stephen.
Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from New Orleans-based writer Anya Groner about her new piece about how Louisiana's petroleum industry profits from exploiting historic inequalities and shows how slavery laid the groundwork for environmental racism. It is one of the newest installations in the Atlantic's Inheritance Project, and we're going to talk about it next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today. 